0: Good morning all, morning. so, so good to be here and just to be able to uh, really just enjoy this time of worship together. I'm, I'm so thankful that you did indeed come out and uh, it may be, um, I don't know for sure, but it seems like we actually may have a winter here this year. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that, but it's good that you that you all have braved the cold, uh, that is Georgia cold, um, to be able to be in here Today, and it is such a great day for you to be here because um, I believe that what is going to be discussed today is something really that is lacking in our culture. As a matter of fact, this week I've been praying about this very thing, and what I'm going to talk about today is uh, on the topic of peace. And I think about what is happening in our culture right now. I think of, of the political side of things, and there's no peace, and there's just hostility and unrest there. But also, I think even in the condition of the marriages here, not only in our culture, but very much specific to the family of faith that we have here at Dublin Bible Church, we are in a real battle and one of the things that I see that we're lacking in our in our homes in our marriages within our kids and within our culture and within really Christianity in America today is a lack of peace. so my hope for you today is not that you would just have some theological groundwork for peace, but you would have some real real traction points in your life to say okay I can I, maybe I, I'm doing well here but I need to, to do better here." Or maybe for you, maybe you're just kind of just kicking the tires on on the whole Christian church thing and you're just curious about Jesus, maybe because somebody invited you. And I would say, welcome to DBC. I'm so glad that you're here. Much of what's going to be talked about today is is going to be addressed to Christians because we believe, this is the, this is the thing about Christianity, we believe that a life, um, you can only have a life of peace if it's surrendered to Jesus. So then that is the beginning point of peace. You're going to have an opportunity to see that in the scriptures, not just take my word for it. But we believe it starts there. So if you're not a follower of Christ, some of this, Maybe like disconnected from your life, but there's going to be some also very practical things at the end you'll be able to use. I just know that you will. In my study, I found um, a couple different things quite interesting. Um, When you think about the word victory and really what this whole series has been about or it is rallied around this idea that we're learning how to battle spiritually so that we can live victoriously, um, victory is synonymous with peace. Oftentimes, it's like you think you, you go through a time of battle and you go through this time of battle so then you can have a time of peace. And yet, there's some misunderstanding that is going to come from this and, and that hopefully will be addressed in this talk as well. But here's what I do know. In accordance with the Word of God, we all find ourselves in one of two places. And I want to draw your attention to the screen because what I want to show to you is this Peace really is the determiner in our life. If we're at peace with God, at peace with self, and at peace with others, it tells a lot about us and really about where we stand with God. So Psalm 37, 37, and 38, this will be on the screen. Again, not the main passage this morning, but I really want us to kind of sit in this before we jump into the main passage to really ask ourselves the question, do we even live a life at peace? And this is what it says in Psalm 37, 37, through 38, not 28. That was a typo. That was my fault. Look at those who are honest and good for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Wow, there's a question right there. Do I love peace? I don't know. But the rebellious will be destroyed and they have no future. So in this in this short passage of scripture, you see a contrast. You see somebody who has peace and what you're gonna see today is we if we have peace with God, then we can be at peace with self and we can be at peace with others. If you don't have peace with God, you're gonna be relying upon other people to, to satisfy your, your need and is the need actually for us to be at peace with God. But if we don't have peace with God, we're gonna try and fill that or fit other things into that mold. And when we do that, our life actually becomes hot. So look at this, this short passage again. It says, look at those who are honest and good. So there's there's one group of people that are honest and good. For a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Let me just ask you something. Do you love peace? I mean, do you really love it? It's, it's one of those things that I've been really challenged with and I've been And this very much pertains to me, not just, this isn't just, you know, me standing on a stage and then speaking to you as if we're not on the same level. We are. I mean, I have been confronted with this word all week long. Um, As a matter of fact, two weeks I've been sitting in this and saying, do I really love peace? Because here's what I found out about human nature. A lot of times we don't actually love peace, but we just love to get what we want. A lot of times we don't love peace, we just love to get what we want. And we, we mix that up and you say, well, no, no, I love, I love peace. And yet we, what we're really saying is I love to get what I want. You see, we have, to, we have to give away what we want sometimes to have the peace that's offered to us. But isn't this true of, of, of your life? We just don't always love peace. Like sometimes we just love to get what we want. And doesn't this rest in selfishness? Like I know this in my own heart. Sometimes there's, there's times where I just want to withdraw and I just want to do my own thing and I just don't want to be the, the person that you want me to be and that my wife wants me to be and my kids want me to be. There's just times where I just, I really want to just withdraw. Not that I don't love them, not that I don't love you, but I just battle sometimes with this idea of peace. And sometimes I just want to tell God, please just give me what I want for once. And yet he knows so much better than I do because he knows Not what I want, but he knows what I need. And he knows that I need peace. And he knows if I just pursue what I want, that being rooted in selfishness, it's actually going to be taking me farther away from having the peace that he wants for me. And honestly, he wants it for you. So there are some some questions that are going to be answered in this talk. At least that's my hope, my desire, my bullseye. So some questions like this. How can we be on the winning side of this? How can we live a life of increasing peace? How can we also, how can we obtain this peace? And what does this life of peace require of us? Does that mean that it's just something that we have this peace with God, we have the peace, peace with self and peace with others, and then we just got, get to live this kind of euphoric lifestyle where we just live our own life and do our own thing? We're actually going to see that it requires a life that's at peace with God also has a great Requirement um, in the world today, and what, that's what we're going to see in our main passage. And the bottom line is this: the outflow of peace from God into the hearts and minds of His kids makes for a peaceful life. So the outflow, this meaning, it's birthed from God, and it's a peace from God, and it's into the minds and hearts of his kids, God's kids, and makes for a peaceful life. This is so much different than what we hear with new age spirituality that is so evident right now that there's kind of this transcendental uh, meditation thing of like a way of detaching your heart and mind. And then they call that tranquility or peace and saying, but it's actually not peace at all. Because for us to have actual peace, it, to peace, it, to a real peace that God offers, it's a peace with God, peace within self and peace with others, and the way that we do that is then in, in a holistic, in, in a fruitful, in a great way of uniting our hearts and minds. And yet, the new age thing that's being presented to all of us now, and we're this is even in our social media feeds. It's just it's kind of these ads that are just being thrown out, and it's this this lie that's being perpetuated that if you just withdraw from your feelings, then you can be at peace, and that's that's mental tranquility. But yet that that's not. What, this, uh, what we're going to see today, and that's not really even what the Bible calls peace. Peace in the Old Testament was something that was kind of, a. it was used so many different times, and it was, it was used in a way of the state of the individual, the relationship of uh, just person to person, also nation to nation, and ultimately a relationship between God and man. It was this, this word shalom in the Old Testament. And really, one of the really cool things about this, in the Old Testament and still in in the Middle East, there's this shalom, this greeting, and one of the greetings that they would say to one another, and they still do. And when they say shalom, it literally it means "may you be well." And I have to tell you, that is like my heart's desire for you. That that I would be able to say that blessing over you. May you be well. May you have a peace with God. May you you have a peace within yourself and may you be at peace with others. And when those three things are united, then, then I can honestly say this blessing over you, shalom, may you be well. Let's find out how to be well. Main passage this morning, it comes from, as to no surprise, we've been here for weeks, Ephesians 6, verse 14. And we're gonna look at, Two verses and really just one verse, but we're gonna get the context, greater context in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Pastor AJ did a great job last week talking about the breastplate of righteousness and what that means of being right with God and right with people. Verse 15, it says... And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. This this is interesting because uh, in in their culture, very much a Roman-dominated culture, what what the apostle Paul was playing on in. With them, and he says the food, f- the, excuse me, the feet fitted. I have food on my mind right now, apparently, um, with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. For in their culture, this would be something that they would know because the Roman soldiers would uh, most likely have had. And there's some questions about this, that their, their sandals wouldn't have been like Birkenstocks. They literally would have strapped, been like more for battle. And it, it would have had ties that went up about halfway up your calf, probably depending upon how tall you are. And then, so it would have a flat sole, almost like a regular sandal, like a Birkenstock of sorts. But then it would, it would actually go up and it would strap all together up your calf. But on the bottom, it would have spikes, so it would be good when, when the Apostle Paul says, and feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, that it was, it was in their culture, they would have been like, aha, I see what you did there. Oh my goodness, I can't believe he's, re- he's mentioning this. he like, because they could have turned, because this whole area was dominated by, by the Romans and they would know this. Like the Roman soldiers would just be around. And then he just used something from their culture that just adds such value to our understanding of the Word of God, because when it says, if the, I almost said it again, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, he's mentioning two things. He says the sandal or the thong, if you will, on, on the bottom of the sole, the spikes that would be fitted, that would be able to dig in, to be able to stand firm in one sense, but then also... That it's the feet fitted with the readiness, which means that they would be ready for battle. So they'd be able to go a long distance, that they would be comfortable enough to go a long distance, but also they'd be strong enough to be able to handle the spiritual battle. You see, that's what peace offers us. It offers us not just a way for us to just live our life in some tranquil, new agey sort of way, but it allows us ultimately to then engage with our culture because if we're at peace with God and then he has given us peace with self, then we can be at peace with others. And then out of that outflow, we'll be able to tell them about this gospel of peace. Readiness is what you see in this translation on, on the screen. It literally, maybe more, more accurately, means this. Preparedness to do and suffer for all that God wills of us is the preparedness to do and to suffer all of the, that the Lord wills for us. Meaning that the peace that's offered from God is the very thing that allows us to endure suffering. It allows us to endure hardship. It allows us to, to endure that, that family member who, who just walked away. That means that, that this peace is strong enough to endure that, uh, that medical condition that you have. This, this peace is strong enough to endure um, the difficulties of marriage and child raising. It's, this peace is, is greater than, than all of these other earthly, more temporal things. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here is this readiness. It's being prepared. It's not being caught off guard. But uh, I just want you to know peace is not what you may think. I want to tell you a very simple story to illustrate this point. So there's been these two creatures that have been living in my backyard for some time now. And I've done, my, I've done my best to get rid of one of them, but I, I cannot get rid of it. And what I'm talking about is this cute little chipmunk that is just all over my backyard. It was yesterday, literally, I was sitting studying and looking over this message, and it was brave enough to come up to my back door, which very ra- rarely ever happens. This chipmunk's on my back door, and it literally is looking at me. At least, it, I, I think it's looking, it's looking in my general direction. So I, I thought it was like a showdown. You know, I was like, oh, I see what you did. That's cool. You know, so literally this this chipmunk's been here and I've been trying to get rid of it and I don't know what to do. Maybe some of you um, can give me some Tannerite or something. Maybe we can take care of it the easy way. I don't know. Um, Men know what Tannerite is. Ladies are like, what's Tannerite? That's fine. Go back to sleep. Um, So um, you probably wouldn't like it. So, uh, but guys do. True story. Shall I get back into it? Here we go. All right. So this chipmunk is, is in my backyard and it's been cohabitating with my dog, Bella. And the interesting thing about this chipmunk is this chipmunk is as timid as can be. Like this, this thing is so it's so fidgety and, and it's just so timid. And if anything goes on or the wind blows a certain direction, it's jumping around and it's wanting to bolt and take off. And yet it's getting, um, it's getting more brave as the days go on. Obviously, Russell I wouldn't have been on my back porch yesterday. But every time that that chipmunk is out and I open the door, it, like, vroom, it takes off running and hides. And then also the same thing happens with Bella. If, I, if the chipmunk's out, sometimes I'll just let Bella out because Bella would be going nuts. So I'll just open the door and Bella will take off running for the chipmunk. Okay, Bella doesn't have a chance. Bella loves two things. She loves the couch and she loves food. Both of those are strongly going against her ability to catch this very fast chipmunk. But this chipmunk is is unwilling to basically deal with any sort of conflict. And as a matter of fact, at the first sight of conflict, it takes off. I mean, if there's just a hint of confrontation, that chipmunk is bolting. And I believe that it's actually hiding in my shed uh, on the top shelf. I think that's, that's like where it lives. I've taken the nest away, but it always kind of retreats in that general direction. I just want you to know, when we talk about peace, I'm not talking about escapism. I'm not talking about you just, you escaping from your problems. I'm not talking about, for you, it's, you have a conflict in your marriage, so I'm just going to live at peace by not saying anything. It's quite the contrary. It's quite the contrary. I'm not talking about a way for you just to escape from your reality, because one of the things that I know for sure, and many of us do, is that reality will hit you right upside the face when you least expect it. That's why we call it Reality. I'm talking about a peace that, that is not escapism. It's not a way of just getting away from our issues, but it's a way to endure our issues, the preparedness to suffer and to do what it is that the Lord is calling us to do. That's this peace, this peace that's offered. It's a peace from God that we can then be at peace with him, that we can also have a peace within ourselves and at peace with others, but at times that means that we actually have to confront, not avoid. Sometimes we have to not escape, but we have to engage. And that's what this life of peace would want us to do. But isn't it true of this also that it, when we want to escape, it's just usually to protect ourselves? When we want to escape, we just want to avoid the hard feeling that we're going to have if we have to engage someone in, in an awkward way. Like in, in those situations, it's just a way for us to escape from reality. Said no, 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 and we're trying to actually spare our own feelings. We're trying to spare our own relationship. Maybe sometimes we're actually trying to to spare our just the way we look around other people. And said no, I don't want to be one of those people. So isn't it true that when we want to disengage and run away from conflict, it's usually just to focus on ourselves. Bad news is this anytime we focus on ourselves, we will lack inner peace. Anytime that we turn it around, we turn all the lights of our life around and we shine on ourselves, we focus on ourselves. Anytime that then we make it about our emotions or our relationships or our personality or our marriage or my kids or my hopes and my dreams, anytime we turn all the lights of life onto ourself, doesn't it then put a strain on our relationships? If you put your marriage before God, that marriage is on shaky ground, and that could be God's greatest blessing to you in that moment. Because in that situation, you will lack the inner peace, and that's God's subtle reminder that he has more for you. He has more for you. So anytime we, we focus on self, we will lack inner peace. heard a story from a book I read about a missionary, and this missionary had had gone into this land and he had led a man to jesus and it was I guess it was quite a, a phenomenal thing and and yet the man was he seemed very troubled, and the missionary went to go talk to this man and he says he says, "Tell me about your walk and this man says well i 'll tell you everything." that I can I can tell you right now he says right now he says, I feel like I have a dog on one of my shoulders, and, and, and this dog is wanting me to go and to revert back to the man I used to be and, and to pursue my own selfishness and my own dreams, and I have this dog on one side, and he's, he's just barking at me to go, to go do this and go do this and go do this, and yet on the other side, I kind of have this other dog, and this other dog is, is trying to encourage me to do the very things that God's wanted me to do and to walk away from my past, and the missionary kind of scratched his head, and he looks at him, he says, well, which dog's winning? And and the man said, the one that I'm feeding. You see, for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can either feed the flesh or you can feed the spirit of God. You can either feed the flesh or you can feed the spirit of God. I want to tell you something that I find interesting with the word flesh. Flesh, if you just look at that word, Itself. And we've talked about this in the weeks in the past. But if you take the word flesh, then go through and drop the H at the end and flip the word around, you know what it spells? Self. You take the word flesh, drop the H, flip the word around in itself. So maybe the reason why that you struggle with having peace. I don't know this necessarily about you, but maybe the struggle that you have with peace, that you just lack peace in your life is because you're too focused on self. And maybe, just maybe, you've been feeding the flesh for so long that maybe today you have to begin to starve the flesh and then feed the spirit in you, Christian. Maybe today could be the day of victory for You you see, if you live a life of selfishness, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to be content. The light of Jesus is not going to shine through you. If we live a life of selfishness, you're going to be so focused on your needs and not the needs of the world. If you're so stuck in selfishness, and we even as a people, we're just, we could be so happy in our holy huddles and not go out and share the light of Jesus with the lost world. If we could be so entrenched in selfishness in our families, that then our our families become the focus of our existence. And do you know what will happen in those situations? Your family will start splintering because your family, even your family, as great as it is, cannot give you the peace that God promises. Selfishness keeps the kingdom of God bound, and it keeps lost people blind. Selfishness keeps the kingdom of God bound and lost people blind. One of the things that I have found is when somebody knows you're fighting for them, not against them, you make a friend, not a foe. When someone knows that you're fighting for them, not against them, and the only way you can do this, the only way this can become the basis of your relationships, the basis of your life, is if you're at peace with God. Because peace with God, the shalom, that may it be well with you, the only time that that, that happens in your life is to be at peace with God, then you can be at peace with yourself, then you can be at peace with others. And yet, when we, when we have this as the basis of our being, and you talk to someone, You see, they'll know that you have their best interest in mind. So when someone who knows that you're fighting for them, not against them, you make a friend, not a foe, not an enemy. Like I've seen this so many times in my life because that means that you have a healthy expectation for that relationship. That means that you have a healthy expectation for your marriage. That means you have a healthy expectation for your singleness. That means you have a healthy expectation for your, your, your teenage years because you're not relying on a person to do what only Jesus Christ can do. And, when, and if you have Christ as the basis of your life, if he is the basis of your life and the basis of your singleness and the basis of your marriage and the basis of, of your being, then you're only adding value to the world around you. You're not trying to drain their value and add it onto yourself because you're at peace and at peace with God. We give you a very practical passage of scripture, Colossians 3, 13 through 15 says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Stop right here for a moment. You see, if you have peace with God and peace with self, you can be at peace with others. Then it allows us to then have this, to make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, make some space for each other's faults. That means I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be so sensitive like the rest of our culture is so sensitive and so, so e- almost eager to get their feelings hurt. You see, but us as Christians, we do the same thing. We we can become so, so sensitive that we become insensitive to everyone else. What the word of God tells us is to make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, make space, understand that people are gonna fail you and you're gonna fail them. If we would just have the, just the first part of this as a part of our life, I mean, think how much value this could add to your relationships. When you just make allowance for each other's faults and that you forgive anyone who offends you. Think how, How fantastic this would be for your your relationships, the relationships you have with your kids, the the relationships that, just the friendships that you have. Think if you would just say, you know what, I don't don't even, I have no expectation that you're going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. So I'm gonna give you space and I'm not just gonna jump all over you if you if you do something wrong or say something wrong. Instead, I'm gonna make allowance for your faults. I know you're not perfect as I'm not perfect. And instead, I'm gonna forgive anyone who offends me. And you may be looking at that and you're like, how do I do it? Short answer, Sunday school answer, Jesus. I mean, it it takes a growing walk with Jesus to be able to do this. I, I'm not telling you it's easy. If you're not a Christian, it's not even possible for you. But if you, if you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have the power of God within you. The power of God is greater that is in you that is greater than it's in the world. You can do this through Jesus one of the things I've absolutely enjoyed about this whole series, and when we talk about the armor of God, literally all of these are ways to put on Jesus. Put on to be like Jesus and become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. We've talked about this for months. This, is, this encompasses, rather, the armor of God. It's literally putting on Jesus, putting on his Christ-likeness. And isn't that what he did for you? He made allowance for your faults. Doesn't he still do that for you? But I reminded you several times through the word of God that you're not condemned for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you don't even stand condemned. It isn't like Jesus is standing over you. You did it again. You did it again. You did it again. He says, no, no, no. I've already made allowance for your faults and I've already forgiven you. That's all at the foot of the cross. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And then verse 15, it says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts first, for as members of one body who are called to live in. What's the next word? peace. And always be thankful. And every time I see the word of God and it says always, I'm like, really? Again? Like, I always have to do that? How can I do it? And always be thankful. And the reason why we can do all of this, the reason why I declare these truths to you, the reason why that I have given my life to Jesus, and the reason why many of you have too, is because of this simple reality. Jesus made war with Satan so that we who repent can have peace with the Father. This becomes the very basis of our life as a follower of Jesus. Jesus made war with Satan. Jesus went to war on the cross. Warring for you and warring for me, fighting for our salvation fighting for our salvation, our redemption, so that we could be born again, so that we could live abundant lives, so that we could have lives of peace. Colossians 1, and 20 says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For God the Father was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that being Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making, next word, peace, through his blood shed on the cross. You see, the the result of a life committed to Jesus is in three parts. I hope hope you've already uh, received this. The life that's committed to Jesus, it has peace in three parts, peace with God, Peace within self and peace with others. So a couple years ago at camp, at youth camp, I love being a youth pastor. It's a, it's a rare treat. I get to be the youth pastor and the lead pastor. And, and it's great being able to go to camp camp. And to be able to have experiences like that, and and not this year, but the previous year, the students had talked me into um, going up on top of this really tall platform, and then you jump off this platform onto a thing called the blob. And the blob is like this big, long, like canvas death trap thing. And you jump on one end, and then you crawl to the other end of it, and then you, you pray Um, and you pray in Jesus name that you're going to survive what's going to happen next. And then what happens usually is somebody that, that is bigger than you jumps off of the platform onto one end of the blob, which then forces air to the other end of the blob and then launches the other said person on the other side of the blob into the air where they flail around helplessly and then crash into the water. Well, they had talked me into this and it's, I don't know why they do this, but they always try and, they always try and pit me up against Spencer. They always do. They always do. It's like, well, just try Spencer. I'm like, I'm not trying Spencer. Like he plays football. He's a lineman. I'm not doing that. And uh, so they always try and pit me against Spencer. And I said, yes, in this situation. And I, I went up to the platform and I was looking at death and I cheated it. Um, and I jumped off of the platform onto the end of the blob. And I really, the, there's two things, that I, three things really I hate about it. I hate jumping off the platform onto the blob because you have a bunch of like middle schoolers and high school kids and they look at you and I don't want to be that, that youth pastor, that pastor who then misses the blob and ends up in the water off of the platform, which happens every year. So I'm like, I have to nail this like perfect 10 landing onto the blob. And yet you have to crawl like army crawl all the way to the other end of the blob, and it takes me forever. Like these little bitty middle schoolers are like, and they're there, and I'm like, I'm like army crawling. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like World War II, like trench fighting or whatever. It's, so I, I'm, I, I always takes me forever, and they're always cheering me on. They're always thinking I'm actually going to fall off of it, but I get to the end eventually, and then they're like, they're cheering for Spencer, <laughs> and, and I love Spencer. He's a, he's a great young man but i was mad at him this day because spencer with all of his of his gusto and force he jumps off of the platform lands onto the blob said air is pushed and thrust to the end of the blob, which then the force of that air springs me up in the air. I literally go, I, I'm not really sure, but I think I tasted ozone on my way down. And so it flips me up in the air and my legs are actually up in the air at this point, And I land, I actually land with my feet up in the air and I land on the back of my neck into the water. Now, that's bad, of course. But what's worse is they caught this on video, See, I just don't think my small group leaders love me. But, but you see, in that whole experience, there was this, this jumping off the platform onto the blob and then it was launching, it launches a person into the air. And I just wanna kind of tell you this morning that when we live a life of peace, it launches us into, into the lost world. Because that is the very thing that the lost world does not have. The lost world knows no peace and they need us to be beacons of light. To be, they need us to be people who live at peace with God and at peace with self and understand that we, make, that we even make allowances for our own faults. That we make allowances for our own faults to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm not batting a thousand on my Bible reading this week, but I know, but I know that I'm loved with God. I know he loves me. And I'm going to make allowances for my own faults. You see, the watching world needs for us to, to say, you know what, I, I'm just gonna make allowances for other people's faults. I'm not gonna be as sensitive as everybody else is. I understand that they're broken and I'm broken and I'm, in a, I'm just in a state of mending by the blood of Jesus and I want them to have that too. So instead, I'm gonna use my life as a beacon of hope for other people. But you can only do that when you've jumped off the platform of self and trusted yourself into the peace that comes from Jesus Christ it's the only way that that's possible but that is exactly what the world needs it needs people who are fully committed to Jesus because they're at peace with God they're at peace with themselves They understand that they're not perfect and they're not going to be that's why we call them spiritual practices not spiritual perfection that we make allowances for our own faults. And then this the outflowing of that is that we can just be at peace with other people and make allowances for their faults too. Trusting that Jesus is gonna be there and strengthen us through it. Luke 2.14 says this. I've always been drawn to this and this is a, a common Christmas passage. I'm so excited about the Christmas series. It's not a a through and through Christmas series and um, so I'm super excited about it. But this is a very common passage just talked about at Christmas. But look at the promise that's in it. Glory to God in, in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let me just tell you something. If you're a Christian, God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. Not because you have, you've prayed perfectly through through the whole time that you've been a Christian, quite the contrary. Not because that you're batting a thousand on your Bible reading, quite the contrary. Not not because that you're the you're the perfect mom and you have everything together and that you you, you do everything and you make it look easy. Not that either. Not because you're the man who who makes just a lot of money or, or a little money and you provi- provides for your home and as long as you, you put enough money in the bank and your family gets to do what you want to do and your wife gets to spend on what she wants to spend on and you get all the toys. No, 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 quite the contrary. God is pleased with you simply because your life is hidden in Jesus. It's as simple as that. God is pleased with you, with you as a person. Maybe not everything that you do, he has the ability to separate who you are from what you do. Who you are is hidden in him. Sure, do we, do we make mistakes? Absolutely. Do, do we say things that we regret? Unfortunately, yes. Are, are we the, the perfect role models for our kids? Uh, no, we're not. I'm not. Maybe you are. It's not on a basis of that the reason why that God is pleased is because if you are a follower of Jesus, your life is hidden in His period. That's why He can be pleased. Isn't that a great promise this morning for us to rest in? Then we're told in Romans 12:18, sounds a lot like the passage I quoted just a moment ago, but Romans 12:18 says this, "If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone." if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone so if it's if it's even remotely possible and as much as it depends on you because it may not be pos, it may not be possible if somebody else is not in agreement with what you're trying to do in the relationship which i love how the apostle paul through the inspiration of the holy spirit he says no i'm just going to cut to the chase he says as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You do your part. Trust God to do the rest. You put your life in him. Trust that he's gonna give you the peace that you need, that you're at peace with God through the blood of Jesus. Trust that you can be at peace with yourself and that you can be at peace with others. And then lastly, certainly not least, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, I nailed it that time. The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is supposed to do this. It's supposed to allow us to share the good news to the lost world. And this is what Romans ten fourteen and fifteen says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, this is what it says, as it is written, Romans 10, 14, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, I think this is exactly, these, these two things are, are exactly what Paul had in mind in bringing these two together. The feet fitted with the readiness of, that comes with the gospel of peace. And he says, and if you're at peace with God through the blood of Jesus, then you're at peace with self. and Then you can be at peace with other people. He says, if, if that's the basis of your life, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news to others. You see, ultimately, this peace that God offers is not just about us. Because if we just take this peace and say, well, I'm at peace with God and I'm at peace with others and I'm at peace with myself, we can easily slide into start feeding the dog of our flesh. We can easily do that and we can still live a life of selfishness, redeemed, absolutely born again, absolutely, but selfish. So when we have the feet that is fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, then we are ready to share the gospel with the lost world because we have a peace that they don't have. And I believe that if, if every person that's in this room, every person that's even listening to this talk, I believe if you call yourself a Christian and you are growing in, in, in this understanding of peace and you're living in this, in this shalom, in this may it be well with you, that your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members who don't know Jesus are gonna look at your life and they're gonna be very curious. They're gonna be very curious and they're gonna want what you have because the world cannot offer the peace that comes through Jesus. So let me, as I conclude this talk, I want to just ask you to stand if you would. And I just want to say a blessing over all of you. And I, I, just, I just want you to understand more fully that God offers so much more for you than what you're probably experiencing right now. So I just want to say this blessing over you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bless and keep all of these people. God, I pray that you would just put them and just keep them all in your trust and care. God, for the person who's struggling with, with peace in their home right now, God, I pray that you would just, that your, hover, your Holy Spirit would hover over them, that they would experience the peace that I talked about today and that you promise in your word. Father God, I pray for the the man or woman or, or student in here right now who, who feels like they're not enough, that they're not at peace with self. And Lord Jesus, I pray that You would just reveal to them the truth of your word that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And if they have committed their life to you, you've already approved of them. That's where they stand. That's where they sit. That's where they live. And Lord Jesus, I pray as we walk away with this message, Lord, and the enemy is gonna come knocking very shortly. I pray that you would just put all of us in and just, just this shield of protection. God, teach us how to use the, the armor that we've been talking about for these several weeks. And Father God, I pray lastly this, that it may be said of us that it was well with our souls because we were at peace with you and that we were at peace with self and that we we're at peace with others. Thank you, Jesus, for the offer of peace and the offer of hope and the power to do the very things that you're calling us to do. Amen, amen. Well, I thank you very much for being here. You're officially dismissed. I hope that you have a great, great week. And I'll end with this. May it be well with you this week. May it be well.